Trauma. It's a word that you've probably heard thrown around quite a bit, but what is trauma, really? My name is Shanna White, but you can call me Shan. I'm a psychologist, and defining trauma is a pretty big part of my day-to-day life. But my job goes beyond providing a dictionary description of what trauma is, because that's just the tip of the iceberg, as they say. No, my job is to define trauma, to highlight its impacts, and most importantly, to help those who've lived through it to figure out how to thrive beyond it. I've spent years working with children, adolescents and adults trying to guide them through the process of recovering from complex trauma. Needless to say, I've seen and heard a lot and now you will too. But first, a trigger warning. This podcast deals with some pretty heavy topics including domestic violence, substance abuse, mental illness, crimes against children, self-harm, sexual abuse, multi-generational trauma, and suicide. If you don't think you're in the right headspace to deal with any of these topics right now, please cut yourself some slack, take a deep breath, and come back another day. I'll be here. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and elders on all the lands on which we work and meet. I appreciate the significant place Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders hold, and I identify them as the first Australians. I value and celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture and future and I'm committed to supporting reconciliation through speaking the truth, pursuing justice and creating opportunities to heal together. I pay my deep respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal children, young people, families and staff who I provide services to now and in the future. I embrace and commit to the spirit of work and self-determination, empowerment and reconciliation. Part one of a three-part series. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Trauma Tales. Uh, Today we have Danielle with us. Hi, Danielle. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm really, really well. So, Danielle, can you tell me about a time in your life where you experienced trauma? Oh, um, I actually grew up with domestic violence all around me. Um, So it was more of a, like, a natural feeling for myself, unfortunately. Um, And then I moved into it uh, into teenage years um, and met a guy online um, who, you know, was the first one that ever gave me red roses and um, like he delivered them to me and, you know, and a lot of people thought it was weird and kind of would warn me off and say, like, this isn't normal, like, this is strange. Um, But because I didn't understand, you know, like boundaries and I didn't understand um any anything really because I didn't really grow up with a mum and dad to show me like what love was and like boundaries and respect and stuff so I just kind of went off with what I was feeling at the time which was oh my gosh someone actually cares about me so um so you'd come from a traumatic childhood yeah and how old were you when you met this person uh I was 16. Oh okay so you're a baby yourself but you'd you'd yeah I was a baby and then this person's come along and like mm. promised you the world and and been really nice to you and that was not something you'd experienced before and then then what happens so you're 16 
yeah, so I'm 16 and um, I'm kind of finding my own feet. Like I um, was homeless at the age of 15, so I'm still trying to find my, you know, my ground level, my wavelength. Um, and then uh, so he lived in a different state, um, so it was like long distance but never met this human um and then he actually had a massive car accident so I flew over to go meet him and see him um and then within like meeting him I knew like oh I don't I'm not physically attracted to this person there's no there's no spark there's no nothing but kind of like push through that anyway um because I just um I wanted to settle. Like I just wanted somebody to love me and care for me. So I didn't even care who it was or what they looked like. I was just excited to have that feeling for the first time. Uh, and then two days later, he turned around and said, I'm moving back with you. Um, oh. Yeah, it was intense. Um, at that moment, I was like, oh, my gosh, he knows what he wants, you know, and thought it was like the most romantic thing um and you're still 16 you're still a baby yeah how old was he same age right yeah um and so like all my friends are like no this is weird this is bizarre like you're gonna have this human live in your house um and yeah so he moved um with me um what did and- he sort of say to to convince you because you you said you weren't totally sold on him what did he kind of say to convince you to to I think it was just more of that I had no friggin' choice by that side. <laughs> 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 <Radio. laughs> um yeah it's interesting one like I think back now um even just in my mindset back then um and I think I just didn't even understand fully what was going on even in my entire life um because I grew up with a lot of trauma um and at one point I actually remember saying to a psychologist growing up as a young teen um that I believed that in my mind that nobody was actually real in my life so I came to a point where the trauma was so bad that to protect my mind I would actually um convince myself that everyone around me were um actors and I wasn't going to get hurt or, you know, I didn't have to feel like someone's rejected me or whatever or died even. Um, so I never felt grief or anything because I just assumed that they had left the TV show and I was the only one that didn't know about it. Oh, okay. So we call that derealization. It's where you don't believe um, things around you are actually um, real and authentic and mm. and I try to explain it to people like it's almost like you feel like you're living in the matrix so exactly how you're describing it like the Truman show yeah, yeah. so you would you had derealization disorder yeah absolutely like I would sit back and I would watch like a lady with a pram and I would think oh I wonder how much she got paid to you know do that and you know people would jump in and out of my life and I'd be like oh wouldn't that be so fun for the like the TV show if we did this? And so I started like playing with it a bit because I was like, oh, they know that like they don't know that I know. Um, 
it's like you start doing things that um you normally wouldn't even do in life and I started being quite dangerous with my life which was a bit dangerous now that I look back I'm like yep that wasn't a good idea Danny <laughs> <laughs> what sort of things were you doing um I was meeting up with guys off the internet and going to like um uh like skyline like groups and stuff so we would jump in skylines and we would just like drive places and then I would be going to raves at like um in the in the middle of the bush and they would be like um the helicopters and the police would come and raid the whole place and oh my gosh yeah so I got into some like um like nasty stuff I never did drugs um because I saw how um how it messed up my life like as my family life um my sister turned to drugs and I turned to life was a reality tv show so yeah so you both developed really unhelpful coping mechanisms so yeah this guy's come into your life and you know promised you the world and decided he was moving in with you what happened when he did move in with you yeah so how long um, had you known each other then sorry how long had you known each other then (laughs) maybe a month maybe if i'm lucky um yeah it moved really quickly um all my friends deserted me um at that time I was like I don't understand why I understand now because um after everything happened like years on they came back to me and told me that they that he gave them the creeps and I couldn't handle it yeah Um, but at that time I was I was really lonely and really upset that my friends um, had deserted me because what I felt like is my entire life, everybody had rejected me. So I would let somebody in and then they would reject me. Um, And so that was like my whole life, like whether I was going to a counselor or a psychologist, you know, I'd let it out and then they'd just vanish out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, seriously, part of the TV show. So yeah, it just became that life for me. This episode of The Trauma Tales is brought to you by Dr. Olga Laval and Associates, award-winning providers of psychological services, including telehealth and phone consultations, empowering people to make meaningful changes to their lives. For more information, please go to www.olgalaval.com. Yeah, wow. So he's he's come over. He, it, it's like, oh, it's like almost textbook. Like he's just love bombed you, and then mm-hmm. everyone sort of abandoned. Well, not necessarily abandoned you, but kind of moved away from you. So you've become really isolated really quickly. Mm-hmm. You haven't really got a family system behind you to support you. So he's literally got you at your weakest with no resources. Yeah, and he knew all about my life because. What do you do when you meet someone that you connect with? You know, you just like let it all out and let them yeah. know. So he knew that before we even met, um, which means, um, you know, uh, he found me at my weakest point. Yeah. And wow. Then then what happened? <laughs> it's like a story, isn't it? It um, is. <laughs> um so then after that he um I felt pregnant um but I didn't know I was pregnant um so I was working in childcare at the time and everybody was getting really sick 
the G word. I don't like saying it because it's like horrendous, isn't it? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. We all know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but mine didn't go away. And so I went to the hospital and they rushed me straight through. And I remember turning to the perpetrator and saying, oh, my God, I've got something worse than what we thought because what hospital rushes you straight through away? And I remember this lady, you know, that, um, you know, those textbook doctors that, you know, think you're lying and come straight to the point. And I remember her ripping open the curtain going, the reason why you're vomiting is, and I remember her clapping her hands and everything and being, you're pregnant. And me just crying my eyes out out of nowhere. So almost like she was happy for you, like she thought she was delivering good news. No, like she was like, you know, like you've come in faking that you don't know what's going on kind of Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, it was intense. So when you heard that, when you heard her go, you're pregnant, what was your first thought? I was excited. I was happy. Um, I wasn't scared. I was 17. Um, But I wasn't like oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. Like, I don't know. Like, I had just assumed, like, I was happy. But, again, I couldn't connect with my emotions, right? Like, I didn't have that Mm. connection with my, like, physical body. I'm guessing that's why I didn't actually know I was even pregnant because I was there but I wasn't there. I was still on aeroplane mode all the way through this happening. So that's such an interesting way to put it. Like when you go into that survivor space, it is, it's like airplane mode. You, mm. The functions aren't really, you just get the bare minimum. Yeah. So, I get the bare minimum. So I'm doing life, but I actually don't know what I'm participating in. I don't know what I'm signing up for. Like I don't have that regulation of what's actually going on around me. Yeah. Wow. So at this point you've been together like a year or so. Yeah. Yeah. And had he physically hurt you at this point or was it all that coercive sort of stuff? Yeah, no, no, no. We were fighting like cats and dogs. Like it was intense. I was about to break up with him because I was like, this is too much. Like we just can't get along. There'd be a push and a shove here and there, a bit of throwing things, but like, you know, nothing I wasn't used to like growing up. Mm. So I was like, it is what it is. But I was more like, if we're going to keep fighting like this, we're obviously not meant to be kind of thing. But when I realised I was pregnant, that changed everything in my mindset. That was like, oh, my God, you know. And so they sent us off for an ultrasound and I was actually four months pregnant. Oh, my God. Mm. Oh, wow. That's yeah. I was like eight weeks pregnant when I found out and I thought that was a lot. Four months, you were disconnected, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I didn't feel like, you know, your boobs hurting. I didn't feel like, um, you know, your period's missing. Like, I mean, I was really disconnected to my body and it's only recently that I have actually gained that connection back with my body and understand what's going on with it. Yeah. Mm. It's amazing how that happens. Like there's these these books that I talk about all the time um, and I talked about them in season one and one of them is called The Body Keeps the Score. Mm. You might have heard of it. It talks about the relationship between the mind and the body and what, what happens when we experience trauma and how we become just so disconnected from our own body. We don't understand. We don't even know that we're hungry. 
Like we just yeah. don't, we don't sleep, we don't eat. We just, we don't understand how to regulate and maintain homeostasis when we're sitting in trauma. And when it's prolonged, it's so physically damaging. Mm. It, and the other one is the uh, the body remembers. They're really, really good. So if you get a chance to grab them, they're awesome. Yeah, I definitely will. Like I've been actually speaking to women recently like that have, you know, read my book. Um, and they're like, I think I'm on that aeroplane thing. And they were freaking out because they had just come off aeroplane mode for the first time in years. And when that happens, you do freak out because, um like what happened to me is I woke up and I was like, oh my God, I'm a mum. And oh my God, I'm married. And what the heck? Where do I live? And everything. It's almost like you come off like you, you know, you've been in coma, you've been in a coma. Yeah. And out of nowhere, you wake up and you're like, this is my life now. And you start processing things and it's really traumatic and really quite a difficult um thing to do absolutely Mm. yeah it's really difficult yeah I was talking to a woman who was telling me about how she had uh endometriosis Mm. and she was living in domestic violence and we as we sort of talked through it she started to identify that um her endometriosis would get extremely bad at certain times when in in the cycle of violence it was almost like her body started tuning into the cycle of violence before she did and she it was funny she actually said because she would get so bad she'd have to go to the hospital and she was like maybe it was my body trying to wave a red flag and get me into help it would give me a break like going to hospital would give her a break and mm. she said that maybe it was you know because she's sitting in front of doctors and you know people are doing stuff and asking you questions and she's like so many times I laid there and thought maybe I should say something maybe I should say something she's like maybe my mm. body was actually forcing me in front of people and I was like that's so fascinating how when your brain shuts off your body kind of would take over it was just yeah that really is extremely fascinating because um like when I was in the women's refuge um like all of us <clears throat> were together and all of us would be like um you know like was anybody else's periods like the weirdest thing ever like they just would not stop um and I believe that the, that's your body like trying to protect yourself like oh you know you can't have sex because like your period just you know keeps on going and my hair was falling out in chunks. Like yeah. I was very concerned about my, like, you know, just my life. And I was like, maybe I should go to the doctor. Like, why did your hair fall out in chunks? You know, Extreme but all of them said the same thing, you know, exactly the same thing. And like, you lose weight dramatically. Like people be like, oh my gosh, you're way too skinny. You know, when stress does that to you, it just like literally chucks it straight back off you. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, sorry, we'll, we digress. We'll go back. Yeah. So what what happened next? You found out you were four yeah, months so pregnant. I'm pregnant, told my mum. Nobody at this point really knew what was, I suppose, going on until um Christmas time we went um we went to the shops and this is when he physically um hurt me for the first time um 
he grabbed me in the middle of Priceline Shopping Centre. I remember exactly where it was um, because we weren't agreeing on a present for one of my family members and he grabbed me, um, his hands on my shoulders and he violently headbutted me with his head. In the shop? In the middle of the shopping centre. My God. Yeah. And you were pregnant? I was heavily pregnant by that stage, yeah. I was about six months pregnant. Danielle, what happened next? I freaked out and ran and told my mum and my nana at that time. And somehow I don't I don't know what he said to them, but he got them alone and then suddenly they were like fine with everything. And this man, when he can get people alone and look dead in their eyes, he can just convince you to whatever needs to be said. Well, he convinced you to stay. He d- yeah, many times, yeah, many times. So then I'm... I- I'm guessing it escalated. Yeah. So from there on, um, you know, we got married um, while I was pregnant. Um, And I remember my sister and my mum saying, you don't have to marry him just because you're pregnant. Um, And I remember straight away saying, I am not going to be a single mum with a kid. This episode of The Trauma Tales is brought to you by Cognitive Behavioural Education, providing training and supervision for people working with people who experience trauma. If you work with people, you know how challenging it can be sometimes and how you can end up having the wrong end of someone's day or having to deal with their trauma. CBE's training and supervision services can upskill and support you and your team to manage, de-escalate and thrive in these situations. For more information, go to www.cbe.net.au. And so I walked down that aisle and I married him. Um, How did you feel walking down the aisle, knowing he'd already hurt you? I was numb. Like, it didn't even cross my mind about this guy's going to hurt me some more or anything. It's just you're straight away back on that aeroplane mode moment and you don't I didn't know what was going on I remember like I didn't write any vows you know I didn't write any like um I should have picked up on like triggers like there was things like he didn't want any involvement with the wedding he didn't want any involvement with you know writing vows or songs or like nothing you know and normally if you weren't in my situation you'd be like well that's a bit bizarre like Mm. wouldn't like a partner want to be like in part of that but nothing even hit me in that regard so um yeah we got married um and then from there um I had uh my baby Seth um and I actually had a very traumatic uh labor um so Seth actually came early uh, obviously due to the domestic violence and the stress, he came at 36 weeks. Um, and I was in labour in the middle of the night and I went to the perpetrator and I said, I think I'm in labour. And he said, I'm going back to sleep. So he went back to sleep and I remember staying up and watching the tennis and as the girls would scream I would scream 
And I remember I called the <laughs> hospital and I said, I think I'm in labor. And they told me to come in. And obviously I never came in because the perpetrator wouldn't drive me. Um, and so in the morning I actually went in and I begged him, I begged him to take me to the hospital. Um, and then, so he said, okay, fine, I'll take you on the way to work. He literally dropped me off at the car park and I walked into this hospital and the hospital was like, oh my God, we've been so worried about you. Like, and they could tell straight away I was in labor because I was holding myself, like the baby was going to come out kind of situation. Um, yeah, it's just like those kind of moments that, you know, in a normal relationship, you'd be like, does this person actually care? But, you know, you just keep going. That's you're on survival mode. So um, long story short, I was in a 48 hour labor oh. um, and the hospital didn't actually do the proper protocol and help me along. Um, so my body was exhausted and Seth started coming out sideways when I was pushing and his heart rate went right down um, and they got into a fight in the middle of the hospital, like the two midwives were fighting and um, they cut me, which is inappropriate because they should have like got a doctor to do that kind of stuff and um, I lost a lot of blood and I shouldn't have even been at that hospital because Seth was 36 weeks so I should have been taken straight to the, you know, the the, the hospital that knows what they're doing in those scenarios. So there was a lot of like problems. Where was where was the husband? Yeah, he was there. He was there. Um, and then um, I started feeling really, really bad. Like, I mean, I would lay down on my bed and I felt like someone was shaking my head. And I remember calling the midwife and saying something's not right. And her telling me, oh, you've just been silly, go to sleep. And I would be shaking when I'd be holding a knife and fork. And um, I remember a doctor coming in from the other hospital because obviously says 36 weeks. Um, so he was paged in and he walked past me. And I remember him grabbing a doctor's like collar and literally bringing him into the room and saying, this is why your women are dying in this hospital because I wasn't the first to have, um, well, almost potentially died. There was women that were dying a lot in this hospital. Wow. And he put up a page, a white page to my hand and he said, look, she has no vein, she's dying. And they said, oh, okay. Um, and so they got me a blood check. And I had half an hour before everything was shutting down. I was dying. I lost oh. a lot of blood. And I had to have a blood transfusion. In labour? Mm. And then what happened? Um, then I felt great. I felt like I had a coffee for the very first time. <laughs> Eight <laughs> bags of blood later, like just standing there like that. Um but in that time, um, I didn't know this at the time, but my mum and my sister wanted to come in to meet Seth to see if I was okay. And the perpetrator was actually blocking everybody from coming in. So he told the doctors and the midwives, do not let anyone in to see Danielle. 
So that happened and then... you know why? You tell me. No, no. Um, do you know why? Did, did oh, you know do before? I know why? Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe, like, he knew I was dying because um, it was pretty damn obvious to anybody that could see it. Um, and he said he was protecting me from, like, everybody's emotional stuff. Um, but deep down, I actually don't know fully why you would do that. Um, I guess more like, um, torture really. This is the end of part one. Thank you for joining me today on the trauma tales. Now is a good time to go and do some self-care, especially if this tale resonated for you. If you'd like to reach out to The Trauma Tales to be a sponsor of the show or to come onto the show, please email The Trauma Tales, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Shanna White Psychology.